Thanks so much for joining, Saki. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hi, thanks for joining. I'm JJ Walsh. I'm based in Hiroshima, Japan. I work as a sustainability focused consultant for businesses and the travel industry here. And today, in the Seeking Sustainability live series, we have a chance to talk to Saki. She is a popular live streamer, an online Japanese language teacher based in Okayama, Japan. So before we start,、uh, as people are joining, maybe I can tell you a little bit about other people that I've talked to in Okayama before you. So, we have in the talk Seeking Sustainability Live Talk Show series, we talked with Kyle, who is doing Kamimomi Permaculture Center. And、uh, they are growing vegetables, they are doing workshops. He's a plastering artist. And that was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And、uh, I've talked to Robert Yellen. He's in Kyoto. He is a pottery and ceramic expert. He has a beautiful studio in Kyoto. So when I talked to him, we talked about Bizen. Have you been to Bizen? Ah, yes, yes, yes. We are famous for Bizen Yaki. Japanese, right. you know, yeah. I love the town of Bizen. It's such a beautiful old classic town. I would love to meet you there and walk、yeah. together. We should have kimonos on, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I would be happy to show you around. <laughs> and then, right, right next to、uh, Okayama train station, there is a fantastic vegan bakery called Terekoko, and it's run by this lady, Teresa. And、oh. uh, she makes the most amazing、uh, pastries and cakes and everything. And、uh, yeah, so have you been there? You should go and check out Teresa's bakery. No, I haven't been there, but I should check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see my friends joining.、Oh, hi, nice. Mike. Hi, Scott. Hi, Dario.、Uh, Andy, hi. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to start talking with Saki about her experience in a minute. I got one more person I want to shout out、uh, John、sure. Stolenmeyer. He is a carpenter in Okayama and、uh, he has a love for building in traditional Japanese style. And we had a great talk with him. He's also going to join the series again next week. He's remodeling an old house. Wow. So,、uh, just to give a shout out to the other Okayama people so far.、Uh, <laughs> that's so cool. There are so many great people from here, Okayama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we are right next to each other, right?、Like、right.、I'm、we are neighbors. You're in Okayama. You have also shared some beautiful photos of Okayama Castle, probably、uh, the most famous site, right? Yeah, exactly. These are the Okayama Castle. They are going under construction, so they're gonna yeah, remodel again. But、uh, th- these are the beautiful <laughs> pictures of mine. So <laughs> it's like a black castle, you know, like compared to the Himeji one that's a white. So in the contrast, we have the black one. So we call it like、uh, Ujo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a. Crow, yeah, Crow Castle, yeah, it's like a nickname for Okayama Castle, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's great to see all of your uh, fans joining today. Welcome, everybody. Uh, any donations or awards, we're going to split 50-50, me and Saki, like I do with all my guests. So feel free to donate away if you like what you hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. People, give me some donations. <laughs> Donate to us. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Lucky, you have had such an interesting history. Oh, there's one more person I want to shout out before we start. Uh, he's a filmmaker in Okayama. He has a really popular YouTube channel called Q2. Uh, mm -hmm. Bobby Kuto, do you know him? No, I don't know him. I don't know Okayama people, really. I, I, I For the first time, I, I heard him. Yeah. <laughs> It's so it's so typical, right? Like when I'm originally from Hawaii, when I took students to Hawaii, ah. um, they found things about my hometown that I didn't know about, right? Yeah, exactly. That's so true, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know much about Okayama until I started to share, and people ask me like, "Oh, what what's what's there in Okayama?" And I can't say like, "Oh, Momotaro, you know, Kibidango, you know, Peach Story." These are the things that people already know. So I'm like, okay, I don't know much about Okayama. I have to research. <laughs> okay, well, what what I love about Okayama, which I would love to explore again with you, maybe I can meet up with you next time. I love sure, Kojima. Yeah. Kojima is the <gasps> jeans. Jeans. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. Okayama jeans are famous all over the world. It's a yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making jeans there in Okayama. Yes, Okayama is like the first place that imported, like, uh, no, not imported, they started to make their own jeans, the first place in Japan. So I don't know if people know it, but there are jeans streets and, you know, there are many uh, jeans factories and uh, there are many professionals that are like so passionate about making jeans uh, with Japanese quality. So I hear like many, like, uh, people from like abroad wanted to yeah buy the the jeans from here yeah, yeah. because of the and you you have some famous brands probably the most famous brand is momotaro momotaro yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah. they which have also a shop in okayama station boy, now. which yeah, yeah, yeah. is a famous story that you're talking about right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. momotaro jeans yes it's a good great with brand and they make, I think all handmade. Yeah, yeah. So the quality is amazing and you can wear like whole time. I think yeah. the last for long. Yeah. I, I love Momotaro jeans, but I think as a Western person, yeah. as a Western woman in particular, it's very hard to find the right jeans to fit ah. Momotaro because all the sizes are very for people who have a straight figure, should I say? Uh, <laughs> Someone yeah. with a curvy figure, it's very hard to fit those jeans. Um, but if you, you know, if you're tall and thin, you're probably okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm also short. So I don't know, like always the jeans that are so, being sold, you know, in the stores are too, too long. So I have oh. to always like pick well, I, I love some of the other shops too. It's not only Momotaro jeans, which is popular there. Uh, Pilot Mike says Levi's of Japan. That's so true. <laughs> and Andy, thank you for the super heart. Yeah, Andy, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Andy, tell us about uh, you. How did you uh. get started with language teaching? 
So actually, I started like to be blogging about Japan when I go uh, when I started, I guess, of Periscope, uh, which is like you know gone now, but basically it's like Twitter Live now. Uh, but at that time, I was only looking to kind of you know to find friends or whatever <laughs> and I didn't have any int intentions to share Japan but uh, because I said like I'm from Japan and people say like oh you know they they, they are very interested in Japan and uh, me as a Japanese person so many questions culture related questions like you know like about the shrines or temples or our like habits traditions and everything and I realized I don't know much about it so I started to research and I tried to answer the questions and then I started to be very interested in my culture uh, like so many interesting stories and history and something that uh, you know, very, very beautiful about. And uh, that became my passion very naturally. And then I also started to teach on Periscope the Japanese language because the culture and the language are so uh, related to each other. And also uh, I found the beauty in the language itself. So now, yeah, I'm blogging, but also I'm a Japanese Twitter and I'm still learning the my own language because, you know, <laughs> I speak without any thinking anything so uh, i have to research that and my students also like ask me the questions i don't know so uh i research a lot then i also find so many cultural stuff that's like so unique about like japan even in the language itself very nature related to yeah languages so i, I have to give a shout stuff. out to dario thank you so much for the super hearts that's very kind of you. And uh, people saying they're watching from Periscope. So even though we can't maybe start from Periscope, with HAPS, you are able to broadcast to Periscope. So you can still keep your followers, which is a great thing, right? Right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like when Periscope is gone, I didn't know how it would work. But I'm glad, <laughs> Scott, you could join me. <laughs> uh, Dario, awesome. thank you. Thank you. Now you are a multilingual. Uh, you were in Europe studying German. Right. And, uh, tell me about your experience in Germany because I love the fact that you were wearing kimono in <laughs> Europe. Oh, yeah, actually, Germany is not the first place that I uh, where I wore kimono abroad. It was in Italy for the first time, uh, but it was only traveling and uh, kind of like it's... Uh, I didn't plan to wear like in Italy, like so specifically, but um, I, I, at that time I was very passionate about my culture and I started to share my, you know, uh, knowledge uh, on Periscope. So I was like, you know, uh, kimono. I was like, oh, kimono, that's the beauty. So why not I learn also kimono? And then uh, I didn't know how to put the kimono on myself. And the only experience I've got um, uh, with kimono, uh, like only the celebration, such as a coming in ceremony or even shichigo-san, like when I was like seven years old. So I was like, uh, I have to relearn again. <laughs> so what I did was like, I signed up on the kimono course and uh, to wear. And then I started to think, oh, that would be cool if I could wear kimono abroad. And uh, yeah, first, you know, the thing that I thought is like, oh, 
let's just uh, travel maybe in Italy or in Europe and <laughs> wear kimono. And uh, that would be so cool to connect the cultures together. Then later on, like I met my my current like boyfriend who is from Germany. So that's what that's why I kind of you know, went to Germany back and forth and I lived there and I started to learn German to communicate with him and his family. And uh, I wore so many times, uh, I wore kimono so many times in Germany <laughs> and met like so many amazing friends. And, you know, I showed them like uh, kimono in person and they were amazed. And uh, also people reacted so positively when I was wearing kimono and walked around. And also the people's reactions were different in each country and that was also very interesting <laughs> like in italy people like hello you know in japanese and uh, konnichiwa or random japanese words like tokyo osaka or whatever but that was very friendly but in germany people are more like reserved so people really respect uh, my fashion but some people are really nice to me and say like you know you look, you look great and beautiful <laughs> so it's a, it was a very nice experience yeah that's great. Yeah. And one of the photos that we're showing is with your language school friends. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. I, I went to the language school in Germany and I, I said, like, you know, I, I will show you my culture. Then they, they come to me <laughs> and I, I showed them the kimono and they were very, yeah. Uh, happy about it and we went to the Japanese restaurant and I explained the Japanese culture to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also kimono. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you have some great advice for if you're renting kimono, uh, which I really appreciated. I think for a lot of people coming to Japan, they want to rent kimono and you had some great advice um, on your blog about don't bring too much baggage, uh, right. Could you, can you tell us some of your advice? If yeah, yeah, like you said, uh, don't bring too much because when you go rent a shop, a kimono shop, then they tell you like this is your bag. I guess when depends on maybe which uh, uh, kimono course or I don't know what they offer, but usually you get only the small bag. Uh, to bring so you have to leave either leave it uh to shop or something and then yeah and also the wearing kimono is kind of like not long process but you have to go to make sure to the, go to the toilet before i guess they ask you to like you know are you okay like you, you want to go to the toilet but even if you wear kimono you can also go to the toilet that's one of the most asked questions like how to go to uh, you know toilet when, when and, uh, i've i've rented kimono it takes so long to put on uh, um, but but recently one of the good points the kimono rental shop suggested is i had like um you know like stretchy clothes underneath like like exercise leggings ah, so having nice. that underneath especially when it's a bit cold outside that was really yeah. helpful ah that's and cool then, yeah of course going to the toilet is difficult but if you have to go to the toilet hopefully you can be around people who will help you fix yeah. it because definitely after the toilet you're gonna need some adjusting right yes 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 it, it gets a bit messed i mean like lose kind of like loses but uh, uh yeah like i said also on the blog which i shared like uh, not blog but i you know i wrote an article um and then there like i said like 
Japanese people are happy to help you if you need help. So don't don't hesitate to I know ask for help if you need, and uh, people can yeah adjust it <laughs> after toilet. <laughs> now one of the styles I have seen a lot, but I've never tried wearing myself is hakama style. Can you explain uh, how hakama is different from traditional kimono? Yeah, 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 hakama is like uh, e easy to easy to move. Yeah, uh, so it's actually uh, originally men used to wear hakama more, and that was not as common for women. Um, but after I guess Taisho era, like uh, when it became a modern times, then people women started to be more active outside as well. So that was also a good way for women to you know wear this to move easier. It's like I don't know if you can see it, but underneath it's like a pants, not like skirt. So it's, it's easier to like, walk. Kind of like culottes. I think uh, in America people know culottes. It's uh, like a, a pants skirt combo. Right? Ah, yeah, 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 like this. Yeah, if you see from you know outside, it's yeah, it's not uh, like pants, straight pants, but looks like a skirt as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And exactly. quite often, it's used by academics, right? Like university students will often choose this style for the graduation party. For yeah, 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 like this. Yes, yes. Hakama is like yeah, doesn't have to be academic uh, scenes, but now it's like a trend when they graduate yeah from universities then they wear but you can also wear without hakama just kimono hakama is basically you wear kimono but with this you know pants so you don't have to wear this but some people do only wear kimono without hakama the, yeah. this part yes yes it's I, it's up I to the authorities i wish they would recommend hakama more for yeah. inbound tourism because i think it's a lot more comfortable uh, yeah. not as tight because <laughs> we don't have the big ob system right you yeah the trousers instead it's a lot easier to walk it's not as tight and you can wear different kinds of shoes so for example you can wear like a traditional or retro style boot looks really mm, nice the other yes style, sometimes geta is very difficult to walk in right using the the toe socks is kind of difficult right yeah, yeah it's, it's not as big so having geta in my size is often difficult right um, so yeah some of the things you talked about like take small steps um, yeah, yeah, you can't even so like if it's make hakama, big right? steps. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't make big, big steps because you know uh, it's tight. It's too tight. But you, you can walk. How to say it's like not like uh, manly. You know that's why may, maybe men like it. You know used to like it when in the past women behave very feminine with this wearing kimono and uh, walk very like small with small steps and you know traditionally weak. Uh, behind three steps, you know, uh, from men. So I think that has to do with like this culture also. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but people can behave very not, not how to say like well educated when wearing kimono because you have the long like sleeves and you have to be careful when you move. So people like you know behave very nice like without 
Uh, thank you much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love to see, um, like, if you are doing tea ceremony, a lot of the gesture is to move the kimono yes. and do, right? Yes. So often if you are renting kimono and then if you do tea ceremony, you can learn some good techniques for how to move in kimono, right? Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. Tea ceremony is uh, I would say it's one of the strict like um Japanese traditions. Like when you want to learn the tea ceremony, they teach a lot of about manners and how to move, of course, like how to wear even like kimono. I think there are many different different uh, kimono that that are appropriate for each uh, different tea ceremony scenes and uh, I, I'm sure like you learn a lot from that from them like I, I yeah. think my aunt my aunt and my uh, also my relatives uh, are like well used to be a tea ceremony teacher yeah so she she knows a lot yeah yeah, yeah. And you, you wrote a really interesting uh, article for a travel guide, online travel guide, about is it okay for foreigners to wear kimono? Can you talk about that a little bit? I thought that was really interesting. Ah, uh, yes. And also I, I wrote an article about it. So it's like kind of, I don't want to spoil the <laughs> the content of the my article, but instead I want people to read it. But basically, um, it's it's not rude it's not rude uh but the i also have a mixed feelings about uh also non for non japanese people uh wearing kimono but at the same time i learned a lot uh about this um how to say foreigners perspective when they were wearing kimono like you can be insecure about how japanese people would think about and uh i in germany i kind of understood their perspective as well but i also have this mindset where i want to preserve my culture in the right way or i want people to respect our culture so it I, it's both ways i i like people wearing kimono so but in general yes as yeah. long as you learn the culture better then it's totally okay you know you, well, you can't be so yeah I agree with you. and i i read the article and i think we can hint at what you were talking about and then people please go and read the article yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but your whole concept of it's not disrespectful to wear kimono but if you choose to wear kimono a different way yeah understand the style that you're using and try to make a choice not mistake right yeah, uh, yeah. Try to keep some of the traditions but of course you can do your own way but as long as you understand the choices that you're making right yes yes it's it's about how you wear and how much you know the culture like kimono or how you observe the japanese people how japanese people wear kimono and yeah maybe you learn a lot uh when you learn the culture for me it's totally fine if you wear the kimono and you, you decide to respect our culture then i i can yeah i'd be happy about and i, I i'm actually generally happy when non-japanese people enjoy my culture and that way we can get to know each other we can connect and in germany also i got to know these people because of the kimono our you know common interest 
and they also love Japan, of course. So they're interested in like my culture and that fact makes me so happy as a blogger also sharing the culture. <laughs> no, that's yeah. great. I talked to another lady, she's in America now. Uh, she's on Instagram and Facebook as well. Her tag is Sun Shower Kimono. Uh, if you ah, to... yeah, I know her. Yeah, I, I've watched her. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And she's so passionate about yeah. Kimono. And she's living in California. Aww. And um, she had a really good point, I thought. she's She studied Kimono formally as well. She often goes to Comic-Con, you know, like yeah. the comic and anime manga fan event and she will teach at comic-con how to wear kimono and she was talking about if you are a cosplayer or if you are uh trying to look dead then of course you would do a different style than the traditional style right but that's part of what you're trying to do but of course if you know the traditional style and you choose to do different that's different from just doing different and you don't know right exactly yes yes that's why i say like you know the culture getting to know, know the culture before you you introduce incorporate the cult you know the different culture into your fashion or something and also I'm, what i'm trying to do is give the culture not culture knowledge to the world so that people uh, will misunderstand something or that will maybe avoid the conflicts the culture misunderstanding and getting to know the different culture is the first step to yeah, connect the culture and uh, without you know being so uh, how to say yeah conflict conflicts I, I love i love it when people can you know exchange the culture and maybe connect them that's what i trying to do like when i go abroad and i wear kimono maybe back in the my photos and there's a church for example uh in europe and i see kimono and you know behind the church that's that's uh, something i like <laughs> it's yeah. amazing yeah well it's it's such a beautiful contrast right it, right like don't you sometimes like if you go into a traditional japanese shop and everything is japanese it's hard to imagine how this thing that I like is going to look outside of this all Japanese shop. And I think the same is if you wear kimono in front of a European church, it's such a nice contrast and such an interesting difference, right? Right. I don't think many Japanese people have done that. Maybe mainly because kimono is difficult to wear and also you may not see it, but there are so many accessories you have to bring and under the kimono itself, you need a juban, which is like underwear for kimono. And it's kind of difficult to bring abroad. So it's not as light. So that's why I also, you know, you have to know also how to put this on. Otherwise, you know, even if you bring it, you have no one to help you with. Unlike in Japan, there are so many people <laughs> to help you out. So that's right. Uh, we've, we've talked to a few people who have taught uh, how to wear kimono. For example, Kimono Shila. Uh, she's very active teaching her Japanese students how to wear kimono, right? She's very active in Japan trying to help kimono culture. Paprika Girl is another. She's 
in the film and media industry in Japan, and she often wears kimono herself. She, as well as you, has taken some of the vintage kimono from her family and oh. wearing it. So it has such a wonderful heritage, but also a, a wonderful sustainability. Aspect. Right. You can yeah. wear it for generations. When I think about sustainability, I thought the kimono is a perfect example. You can wait for years and years, years and years. And these kimono that I got are mainly from my parents, my grand grandparents. So we, you know, uh, take it all, take over these kimonos and wear it again and again. And the kimonos are always like stay very beautifully even after years. And uh, these are the kimono that uh, my grand my grand mom was also wearing yeah yeah so they were very old but still looked so beautiful <laughs> it's gorgeous it's gorgeous yeah. and the whole i've talked to an expert uh asby brown on the edo judai on the edo period and he uh, talked a lot about how it was such a sustainable traditional culture right so if you wear a kimono and of course it's worn out you can reuse it for something else yes a bag uh, you can make a different kind of dress. And we see that reuse of kimono material now in Japan too. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm now into these kimono uh, accessory, kimono made accessories. Like people nowadays just put these old kimono is just in drawer, yeah. So that sometimes like people say, you know, it's it's motaina, you know, it's you don't you shouldn't waste it. So instead, like they bring it or they even like make such a uh, beautiful uh, decorations like this, like you can use in the modern times. Or my hair accessory is also from kimono material, and uh, that way I can also introduce the kimono. But also you don't waste anything. That's also sustainability, I think, <laughs> today, way, modern way. <laughs> there, there is a, a, a really talented French uh, fashion designer called Clementine Sandner, who's based yeah. in Kyushu, but she worked in Kyoto for a long time. And she makes gorgeous bags wow. and uses kimono material and upcycles them into different products. She also has beautiful kimono masks that we did together on a project. Yeah, ah, there's so many great ideas. Yeah, yeah. These days, like these kimono shops are making like masks for kimono, using great materials, for, you know, of kimono. And so that's pretty, also, right? Yeah, great idea. Like very creative. That's our <laughs> new reality. Probably at least one more year, we should be wearing a mask every day, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah very, very much. I think so too. Yes. Now, speaking of Japanese culture and sustainability, I really like this blog that you did about the beauty of blank space in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 love this blank space, and also um, our like culture love to uh, connect. Like, there's no inside or outside for our like philosophy. It's kind of like very difficult to explain but the beauty of it is like yeah sim this simple but yet uh, you, you see the sophisticated like features inside and uh this blank space ma we call it ma that's like a very important for us uh 
it means so many, <laughs> so many, like we, maybe atmosphere, like Japanese people, atmosphere, we call it like air, but uh, also, yeah, in many ways, also the, yeah, about uh, how we speak, yeah, in the many, many ways, ma is very important to us. <laughs> and that shows a, a lot about our culture, this garden, for example. Yeah. I think the absence of too many things helps you focus on something more clearly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a damn minimalism. Like there's like a, you know, people, Japanese person, like Marie Kondo, for example, she's a minimalist, uh, for example. I think she uh, started to have this idea from Japanese perspective, for sure. Like Japanese people don't like to uh, have so many stuff or uh, buy uh, so many things, new things, but instead like to use it many times. And you know that's why we have a better quality and better to use it longer. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, that's our... <laughs> but Saki, it's still something that a lot of Japanese people are also struggling with, right? Like it's usual, usual Japanese house is not minimal. Everybody tries to be minimal, but you often see the office building and all the boxes against the window. There's yeah. Stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So At the same the time, idea, we are behind it. Even, yeah. even for Japanese people, they're trying, right? Trying to be minimalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah, it's it's so difficult indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I, we know the idea, but we just can't <laughs> do it in daily lives. And yeah, yeah. It's but I, I think Marie Kondo, I agree with you. She has inspired so many people to yeah. get rid of things that don't spark joy, right? That yeah. don't make you happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with her. Like, uh, yeah. it's, it's a waste. Yeah, it's like very motainai idea has a lot to do with it, I think. Yeah. I'm always, always trying. Like yesterday, I did a big spring clean of the house. And one of the big things about spring cleaning is to pass on old clothes that nobody's wearing to the secondhand shop or to try to recycle everything that you can or reuse things you can. But yeah, minimalism is a great goal. It's so difficult. Yeah, it's so difficult, but it's good that we have a disco and she's a great reader <laughs> when it comes to minimalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She is. she's so inspiring. Yeah. Um, because we just finished March, and in March you were introducing about Hina, the Hina dolls, Hina Matsuri. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, Hina Matsuri is like a three, uh, March 3rd, we have a doll festival for mainly for uh, girls. That's why we call it even girls festival. Uh, and uh, yeah, there are many dolls uh, that have faces from imperial family. Yeah, on the top, you see this imperial uh, family and under the side, there are other people who are playing the music, uh, shrine music, for example and uh, it came from the idea of the chinese philosophy yeah and uh, but it became like um the those kind of the uh, people who were in uh, imperial family started to play with dolls and uh, that became like more common uh, among like normal citizens in edo period in the modern times and this is now the still the yeah it stays like this way, like very until recently, yeah, they it's it was only for higher status people, but now we decorate like this for yeah uh, 
daughters, granddaughters, and uh, my my grandparents uh, got this uh, when I was born. And every year, she they yeah we decorated together before the uh, this doors festival. And uh, interesting miss is like before uh, after the door festival, you have to clean up. You have to put this back. Uh, otherwise, you can't go go marry. You can't go to bride. <laughs> so we were so worried about it. Oh, in a rush. <laughs> yeah. One of one of the things that I think is so interesting. Did you have your own doll set in your house? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of Japanese people do, right? Like kimono, uh, yes. very expensive, but <laughs> then you can pass to the next generation, right? So the yeah. dolls very expensive, but if you take care of them, you can pass them on to your children or grandchildren, right? And then get them yes. out only once a year, and then you pack them away very carefully, right? Yes, yes, yes. I remember like these dolls are not like how to say strong against like anything, so we had to wrap it up, you know, after the doll festivals to make sure that it will be not getting, you know, <laughs> worse how to say yeah. yeah but basically yes we uh, they are very expensive and <laughs> i don't know if you know i can afford but uh, these are the ones that i can get get this for maybe for future children <laughs> yeah i think maybe the full set is about from 200,000 about for a big set like this yeah, I'm not sure about the prices, but my 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 grandma said like it's it's very expensive. She she sees these facial like expressions of the dolls, and she says you know like cheaper ones have, have not like beautiful faces, so you have to choose the good ones. And yeah. then if you see the beautiful ones, and they they are usually expensive. Same as kimono. When I say oh. Yeah. It's far down so beautiful, then usually they are expensive ones. Yeah, more expensive, right? <laughs> uh, we, we had a question about kimono. So Cool Breeze, thank you for asking. Uh, what material is the kimono usually made of? That's a good question. Yeah, silk. Yeah, basically it's silk. But uh, many people ask um, about like the differences between yukata and kimono. And the yukata is like made of cotton that's how you can differentiate i think uh yukata is like worn only in the summer festivals or even like yokan if you stay at yokan then like a pajama so it's very comfy unlike kimono and also it's easier to move i guess silk it's kind of difficult to also you have to take it take care of it very carefully because they are not good with water not waterproof um but cotton is easier to keep and it's easier to uh get because the price is very affordable yeah usually so yeah. it's good start <laughs> one one of the things that i've been so impressed talking to kimono experts like you is how you don't need to wash the kimono you need to take care of it but usually you don't wash it after use, not like normal clothes. So mm. it's actually more sustainable in that way too, is that you don't need to keep washing. Maybe you, Kata, you would wash after use, yeah. not the yeah. silk kimono, right? Yes, this silk, you, you, even you must not uh, wash, but instead you uh, bring it to the this cleaning, dry cleaning shop. But 
uh, like you said, we don't do it uh, every time we wear. Often, like after wearing kimono, we just hang it up on the wall, and uh, that's it. <laughs> and that's totally fine to keep it like this way. They just uh, if you sweat, it's not good, so you you dry it. But that's the only maintenance I do. And of course, once in a while, I put I put bring it to the dry cleaning, and they make it beautiful. <laughs> Again, that's how we keep it. Yeah. When I talked to Kimono Sheila, she said uh, she wears kimono almost every day. So she only washes her underclothes. She never washes the kimono. So she has so little washing every week. Yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, it's eco friendly, I would say. Yeah. Only the underwear. Yeah. It's, it's like Nagajiban. So, yes, that's the only thing I also. Uh, wash too every every time I wear kimono, so yeah. it's easy too. <laughs> you don't have to wash it like unlike other clothes. <laughs> yeah, I was really interested. Uh, when you were in Germany, you also found a kimono shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These these uh shops, I guess they were run by a Japanese person, but she was making like like we talked before. They make she made some of these. Uh, materials from kimono and uh, she sold also clothes uh, kimono material maybe people who are interested in making something and then you know uh, they could use them and I was very excited to find them because in Germany I didn't think it was as common <laughs> to people interested in kimono I don't know if you have much people know kimono I wasn't sure but uh, that was a very nice discovery that you know people very interested yeah that's so fun to find something from your country from your culture when you're traveling abroad and it's run by a japanese person who's resident there that must have been so fun uh, i remember i took some students many years ago to new york city and we were in a very popular japanese residence area so there's lots mm. of japanese restaurants and cafes and there was even a japanese convenience store there Wow. Students were so happy to see, even though it was only one week away from Japan, but they were so happy to see Japanese <laughs> and everything. But when I know, they, yeah. up, they said, oh, but it's too expensive. It's <laughs> yeah. Three times too much, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? I'm excited to see the Japanese stuff abroad, but at the same time, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, surprised at how expensive it can be. Yeah. Abroad, abroad. So it makes you realize if you can get it in Japan, you're lucky because it's, it is so much cheaper, right? Yes, it's so cheap here and it's easier to <laughs> buy them here instead. Yeah. yeah. Like also, um, Stasia Matsumoto, who runs in kimono, is, she's a photographer and kimono stylist in Tokyo. Um, she was in the series and she talks about taking a lot from the retro shops or secondhand kimono shops mm, mm, mm. and she'll she knows how to design them so she'll make them larger for bigger customers or she likes to mix match the retro mm. style and the traditional style together so you can get some real bargains right second yeah second hundred kimonos are the good thing that uh, you can you can try first there are like online stores that also sell the second hundred ones and they are usually remain a good the quality but yet very cheap and affordable 
So if you think like, oh, kimono are too expensive, then you can get the second hand kimono and enjoy. Also, it's good for eco environment, eco friendly as yeah. well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, in Kyoto, well. there is a Camilla Tea Ceremony company. Ah, I know her. Yes. yes Do you yes. know her? And she yeah. wears kimono every day. And she said she has some beautiful tweets. She always shares beautiful photos of kimono or tea ceremony or Kyoto. And she was at an antique market. And she, oh. she often said, you can find beautiful kimono at the antique market. But maybe it was too busy even now during coronavirus. We need to try to find more space areas, maybe. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But in, think, yeah, Yoshima, yeah. I saw you went to Miyajima in Hiroshima. Yes, yes. On, yes. on Miyajima Island, a lot of people wear kimono when they visit the island. Yes. And if you go to Daishoin Temple, they often have the secondhand kimono for sale and only 1,000 yen, only $10. It's so cheap. Oh, wow. Do so you that's have to amazing. find it next time? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will. I, I I'm I'm fond of the second-handed like kimono shops. I like to support these uh, businesses. Of they're, course, they're oh, good we and wanna, we want to yeah. support them so they can survive and keep going. Yeah. So we need to we want to reuse and and yeah. enjoy wearing for ourselves too, right? I think I'm happy about these modern times. Uh, young generations are also interested in kimono, but from Taisho Roma, which is like a, uh, after Meiji period, there was like a very big fashion trend came in and there are very unique patterns from this era. And these are now antique kimonos and the younger generations who are, who are into fashion, uh, like to in, like introduce these you know, antique kimono, Roma, Taisho Roma because they look so fashionable and uh, you can use it with modern clothes as well and that's that's also cool that uh, people also enjoying kimono today but in uh, different ways yeah now i noticed in your japanese lessons or online you were talking about ikigai can you explain ah. ikigai <laughs> yeah ikigai it's uh it's something um I, I wrote a while ago about, but generally, like Japanese people uh, tend to have this uh, ikigai as a motivation for life. And it's, it's a, such a deep question when someone asks you, so what's your ikigai? Because like people usually don't live every day thinking like, oh, what's the meaning of my life? Uh, but the, that's a fact that, you know, you, we have this word makes me think like uh i i should think about <laughs> a lot about my life what i'm doing now and uh it's it's a good concept to yeah i don't know it's it's difficult to explain <laughs> it is it is difficult but it's it is like you said in your post um if you don't think about ikigai if you don't think about your reason to get up uh every day and to have kind of an aim or focus uh even if it's to just connect or share your culture on live right like you're doing yeah yeah it doesn't have to be something big it can be something you are passionate about or if you help someone out that can be your ikigai so even though the ikigai the concept can be a like big 
philosophy, you can set like uh, small stuff like from e everyday life. And yeah. uh, I think like, like, I think my ikigai would be like sharing the Japanese culture to the world. For sure. <laughs> I, I see that you have a passion for kimono and for also sharing Japanese culture, sharing your love of kimono with other people online. I think that that is definitely your ikigai. And for me, talking to wonderful people like you, yeah. my ikigai. And during coronavirus, it's wonderful to have some kind of focus or some kind of aim which helps other people but also yeah. makes you feel good right yes 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 i agree um i love that you also invite people like this and help us to share the perspectives and you know different ideas and uh, th these are the things that I love about also live streaming. You can interact people with people live and also <laughs> talk with other people from different culture, different part of the world. Yes. Yeah. That is that is a silver lining of coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, moved, yeah. Moved us online, but it actually helps us to network with a much wider audience than we were before sometimes, right? yes yeah online online it's it's amazing you, there's no go like border borders uh as long as we are connected on online somewhere on social medias and without these social medias i wouldn't have known these so many friends and that's that's so cool that uh being here in japan i got to know a lot of people from different worlds uh that i've never been to and uh hope to visit yeah these every area <laughs> for my friends they're there from different yeah countries oh we have some good questions uh heavenly do says has social media helped propel your mission or has it hurt in any way please explain uh yeah i mean there are moments where i feel like mm, like so much so much negativity on social medias uh instead of focusing on the good parts you know like i see thankfully i see a lot of people who are very supportive about what i do but i also wrote uh some articles for example about uh um hiroshima like atomic bombs because my uh part of my family is, fr is from hiroshima and also my dad spent uh his childhood in hiroshima so i have some connections and i have a love towards hiroshima so i'm passionate about it and i wrote an article about it but of course people think like oh that's too offensive so uh but i didn't want to hurt anyone and whenever i write an article i try to write in a respectful way but also there are people who find it maybe offensive or who take it wrong and uh, I, I get some negative comments or messages and that's where i feel like, mm, like so difficult to be online and maybe i will take a break from it because i don't want to yeah uh, get uh, affected by the negativity yeah it's so hard and yeah. you know people often say well don't be political well if yeah. you don't say anything you're being political as well you know so if you feel you want to share something and hopefully you have a supportive community online that people enough people will support you and less people will say something yeah too. yeah 
I think over years on Periscope, I've got like negative people, but also I built like very nice, positive, supportive community. And uh, I get less negative uh, comments or messages nowadays and more positives. So that's why I can keep going. And people, even when I feel down, like people are very, how to say, so positive about what I do and encourage me. And that's how I kept going. and. Usually, like I, I get back to this online community and say, like, "Hey guys, you know, <laughs> and it's yeah. nice." Yeah. Well, that's that's such a wonderful thing about uh, being on Haps, I think, and being on Twitter. And I mean, some people complain about Twitter, but if somebody's mean to you, you can block them. Yeah. Ignore them. You can mute them. <laughs> And if someone supports you, usually, if you're honest, they will really support you more, right? Yes, and they know they know me well enough to understand my intention. So people who don't know me usually, and um, they the ones that attack me. So I, I like you say, I don't just pay attention to them. I ignore and block and I, I just think like, oh, they are just trolling. And I think over years I get better at these dealing with this situation. Yeah. Well, I respect you and I appreciate your courage because doing my live stream interviews every day, I often ask Japanese women, especially, I ask loads of people, foreigners, <laughs> Japanese men and women, um, but too often, it is the Japanese women who say, no, thank you, because doing live is scary. <laughs> they, they are worried about the negative comment. And I always say, you know, don't worry. It's a really nice, supportive group. Please don't worry. So thank you so much for joining and for being strong and for live streaming and challenging that, because I think it is really daunting. Yeah, I mean, like, there are you see there are less people japanese people who speak up online that japanese people uh i guess we are shy but also we are scared of this negativity and i also have this uh fear or anxiety but i'm really grateful for my friends who really cheer me up really they, they are the reason why i do still go live and i share the culture and i keep doing what i do even if sometimes i feel like oh like there's so much negativity uh i keep you know doing this anyways because of my good friends who share the you know who love show me the love and support and i want to give them back something <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, let's, we have a, about seven more minutes uh, we're going to talk. And yeah. I would love for you to introduce some of the Japanese language that you teach online and in your classes. Uh, you were talking about now in English, we often say sakura snow. Now is the time when the sakura is falling from the trees. It's blowing in the wind. And you were teaching some Japanese for talking about the different kinds of sakura condition can you tell us yeah i think there are so many words related to even the sakura itself but on my instagram i said the uh, sakura hubuki hubuki is like a snowstorm but we kind of think that oh this looks like a snow but with sakura so basically yeah sakura hubuki is like how the petals are you know falling down and i think 
yeah, it can be a negative, but sakura fubuki itself is not a negative word at all. We think like, oh, how beautiful this is, like this nature itself, it's uh, just changing the seasons. And even though like sakura is falling down and that means like, you know, you can't see sakura and you have to wait another year, but uh, that's also a beauty of sakura. So sakura fubuki is also one of my favorite words. <laughs> I love it. I adore yeah. this time of year. In fact, I might prefer when it's falling. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's like romantic and yeah. you feel so special. You're walking through the park and your walkway is covered in cherry blossom petals. It feels so special, right? Yeah, yeah. It's when the petals are like gather on the ground like so pink over the, all over the places that's also a beautiful moment and yeah sakura usually uh, very beautiful in full bloom but also when they fall down that's also beautiful so i enjoy it really like from the beginning to the end yes yeah fantastic i love it yeah. um, another another thing i wanted to talk about i you love tenugui ah uh, yes introduce tenugui which is such a wonderful sustainable, yeah, sustainability, yeah. aspect. <laughs> you, you you find the good stuff about sustainability yeah yeah tenugui it's these days like tenugui is very beautiful so beautiful that we can't use in a daily life i don't want to make it dirty or anything but instead i hang it on the wall or something but in the past people use tenugui in many different ways even for how to say when they get injured then they rip this uh, off uh in on the edge of it and you know pull it on the on the like injured areas and uh, that's that's a tenugui also uh many like japanese towels so usually for towels we use it again and again uh as well but it's like a well, beautiful decoration nowadays really, it's really useful right now to have yeah. tenugui. and it's such a wonderful thing when you travel uh yeah. to buy different tenugui like this one maybe from kyoto is gorgeous yeah um but if you buy from different areas that you visit around japan you can use them in different ways a lot of people after washing hands they would dry their hands with tenugui yes, yes if it's yes. hot and you're sweaty you would put it over your head yeah 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 right yeah. away right <laughs> yeah 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 that's a good that, that's a good part about tenugui there are so many different ways you can use with yes it's useful um yeah I love the Japanese uh, tenugui, like the designs as well. Like there's so many designs that I can't choose. Just so many beautiful. It's gorgeous. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would suggest just make sure check the label and make sure it's made in Japan. Yeah. If possible, made in Okayama or made in the area that you're visiting. That's the best one. <laughs> yeah, please support like local businesses, <laughs> Japanese Absolutely. local businesses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kelly, thank you for the award. Thank you. Appreciate thank that. You. Thank you, Don. I appreciate that. So only a few more minutes. I, I found this bus cafe that you went to. I love ah. it. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, a 
like a bus, but from London, like old London bus. They import it uh, from London, I'd say, and they make it now cafe. Inside is a cafe, but outside it's like still the London bus that you see. But it's so nice that you see in the old rice field and there's a London bus <laughs> inside of this rice field. <laughs> Like a combination, good combination of the British culture and the Japanese culture. Where, where, where was that? It's in Okayama. It's not. Uh, it's not far from the center of Okayama city, actually. Yes, you can drive around uh, twenty minutes or so from the city center. You can go there, and uh, it's it's a very nice place, and uh, people are going there to take photos for Instagram. <laughs> it's not so nice to yeah. Yeah. there's there's one place in Hiroshima outside the city and it's a ramen bus. So ah. same, same idea. They have a double decker London bus and they renovated it into a ramen shop. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's old buses I see everywhere and they're really cool. So <laughs> I love this idea. You know, if you've got an old bus, why not run a coffee shop out of it? Or yeah. Okay? That's amazing idea. Like I, I, I think people should do more. <laughs> more people should do that. Like, like using the old buses instead of you know throwing it away. You can reuse it again. Like as a sustainability. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just have another minute, but I wanted to show that you also explore some beautiful old back street areas in Okayama. Okayama has Kurashiki and some beautiful old classic towns, which you introduce. Maybe we can meet there someday because I love wandering those streets too. Yeah, sure, for sure. I can show you around. Yes, there are so many. Yeah, Kurashiki Began Street is like the one that I think many people go also. Uh, that's from uh, many long years ago. Yeah, we keep this tradition, traditional houses, traditional architecture, and you still see them today. And they also use for many films, uh, samurai films or samurai uh, drama series and Kuraski. I see often on the TV as well today. Yeah, but you know, on busy days, like I went to Kuraski during coronavirus and it was nice because it was so empty. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, really, we have so many classic areas, but during coronavirus when there's less visitors is a nice chance to visit the most famous ones because usually I avoid them. Yeah. It's too crowded even before coronavirus, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Freshki is very popular. So yeah, it's usually crowded, but like like you say now, it's good timing to visit there, like less people. You can enjoy the scenery in a quiet <laughs> atmosphere. Yeah. So maybe we can visit sometime this year before the tourism sure. is coming back and yeah. we can we can leisurely wander around together. Maybe in oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's I love do that it. idea. Yeah. Well, Saki, that's our hour. Thank you so much for joining and sharing Thank your you. love and good Thank luck you, with your Japanese language teaching. I think you're doing such a great service for Japan uh, want to learn about Japan, but also the language. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, appreciate. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's, also, let's do it again. Uh, yeah. I think there's yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. we didn't cover, and maybe yeah, so many stuff we can do a live about. from Okayama together. That would be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like to talk about Okayama too because uh, it's a beautiful place, but people don't know much about so. 
Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining today and uh, all your great comments and the awards. We really appreciate. We will be sharing the awards. Don't worry about that. And uh, follow Saki on her HAPS channel or her blog or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, right? Right, right. Yeah, you can go from my profile, all of the links are available, but also you can go to my website <laughs> as well. So feel free to follow me there. I'd be happy to see you on my broadcast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Keep up the good work. You're doing a great job. Thank you thank so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time and the interview. It was amazing. <laughs> good. Well, awesome. Yeah. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thank sure. everyone. Have a great thank day. Thank you, everyone. I appreciate that. Bye. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.